Welcome to Selfie Development, a podcast about the weird and wonderful world of wellness and self-improvement. Each episode, we look at a different wellness trend or practice to find out what actually works and what's kind of a waste of time and energy. I'm Katie Gordon, a yoga teacher and coach. I'm Annabelle Lee. I write about wellness. Come and find us at Selfie Development Pod on Instagram for more wellness chat. Katie. Hello. What's your relationship with productivity like? Not great. <laughs> what do you think? <laughs> what do you think when I say productivity, productivity culture? I'm either massively overproductive or just unable to do anything. Yeah. I think that's where I live between the two extremes. Yeah. I feel like lots of people are just obsessed with productivity and yeah. getting stuff done. I see it so often when I'm like being productive and scrolling, <laughs> like tips and hacks and, you know, how to do more, how to get more done. It feels like there is a very, you know, we are in a productivity obsessed. Yeah. Optimize your work life. Optimizing. with everything else. Yeah. yeah get more done. Mm-hmm. One thing I think is quite interesting is how wellness has kind of emerged as this kind of antidote to that. So mm-hmm. this idea that we're very productive at work, very productive, and then we need to go and lie down in a dark room and listen to a sound bath or go and restore ourselves on a retreat because we've been so super productive or we've optimized so hard. <laughs> we've girl boss too close to the sun. <laughs> <laughs> and then we... Quite often wellness is presented as this way to sort of restore or look after yourself, self-care. Like an antidote. An antidote. Well, I think that's true of one branch of wellness, but I think there's a lot of optimization and productivity culture around wellness as well. Yes. So there's one that is like, go and rest, and that's really great. Unless it's resting. Well, it is. It's resting to be more productive most of the time, isn't it? And like you get to a point where you can't work anymore. So then you have to go and rest and then you go back and you do the same thing in cycles, which isn't great. Or you're in this weird productivity, optimization, wellness thing of like, I've got to get sunlight in my eyes first thing in the morning and then I've got to do my mindfulness and then I've got to go for a walk and then I've got to eat this right thing that's going to make me, and I haven't got it. Uh, no sugar and coffee at the right time but not the wrong time so yeah I think uh, there is productivity culture in wellness as well for sure yeah so do you think wellness is maybe becoming a new way to be productive we're trying to optimize our wellness we're trying to be super productive with our wellness we're trying to cram Mm. it all in do the morning pages like you said get it all tick 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 your morning routine yeah, Annabelle's got a tick list ready. She's, she's got to <laughs> do, do her toilet morning routine. <laughs> I definitely don't with the morning routine. But I can see, and I think we see this a lot, we see this in trends like kind of day in the life videos yeah, that we yeah. see. Or what I'm doing today. What I'm doing today yeah. or the kind of aesthetic. The I think that was a big trend for, I think it was called like clean girl aesthetic, which is like very much mm-hmm. like a sort of... <laughs> white woman in her yoga gear you know like all you know your skincare your everything is just yeah but is that just another way that we are being encouraged to literally work on ourselves well it's like it's capitalism isn't it and it's like making us buy more things I mean skincare routine 
I do enjoy a two-step cleanse. I can see that that makes me feel better. My skin looks better, but it's not necessary, is it? So it's this thing between these things make us feel better, but why do they make us feel better? Why do we do them? Why are we constantly being sold stuff to make us more productive? And I think that actually being unproductive and procrastination has value as well. It can make you come up with ideas. It can make you be more creative. There is, in fact, I think, evidence on how procrastination is good for you. Not to the extreme, but in small doses. But I'm sure that our guest can clue us in on that a little bit more. Yeah, so our episode today, we're going to be looking at productivity and procrastination and how that kind of intersects with wellness culture. And we are joined today by Katri Barrett, a coach who specialises in productivity and procrastination. She's a certified holistic life coach, ADHD and mental health advocate, speaker, facilitator and founder of the Curiosity Club. And she works lots with overthinkers and overdoers to help them become the most successful versions of themselves. So Katri is going to help us unpack some of this stuff around right productivity procrastination and where that fits with wellness maybe she can give me some tips yeah welcome Katri we're so pleased to see you we have been chatting about productivity procrastination and wellness and how these things all sort of fit together no this is an area that you are very clued up on could you tell us a bit about that relationship between wellness and productivity and whether we kind of are seeing wellness as something that's helping us because productivity is making us unwell. Definitely. I've, there's a lot when you sort of said, said this was at the topic of conversation, so many things and such an important topic. And I think it's definitely something I've been on a journey on when, the, and we'll talk about that around like the wellness industry, being in the wellness industry for now, eight years and being a coach and everything now I think particularly when it comes to wellness there's undeniably a need for wellness at the moment in the world I think almost the word that came to me is like an excessive need because with the levels of stress the rates of stress everyone is really really stressed the levels of mental health issues the levels of societal challenges you know cost of living crisis and everything that we're in at the moment there's an absolute need for wellness because there's a lot of you know ill health I suppose in some ways but also like lack of wellness like in terms of if we think of like community wellness financial wellness all of those different elements of wellness I think all of the, that excessive need for wellness is just a sign that actually the world is hurting mm. the there is a lot of trauma there's a lot of past trauma that we you know, that we're all holding individually like generational trauma but also just collectively as as societies as cultures so i think that the that that need for wellness is undeniable where the challenge arises or the questions i think arise of the link between productivity and wellness is that we live in a culture where the most important thing is to get ahead where we all associate our value and our worth to our productivity and to our, you know, our, our output and what we're doing. And therefore, that causes us to strive to do more, to be more, to have more. And we're kind of on this this treadmill. And then at what cost? And it's that that's then causing us to be unwell or to be overly stressed or anxious or 
um, you know, feel like we need more money to buy those things. So as individuals, we're kind of on that striving for more. But but there's a much more important conversation around where that comes from and systemically and society. So actually, it's not our fault as individuals that we're kind of doing that and falling into that those patterns. And that's something that I've definitely been trying I've been diving into a lot over the last few years and learning about and being on my own journey with because I absolutely have um I will sit and have this conversation and I'll talk about a lot of the issues with this and I'm but I'm not immune to them even mm. as a coach and a you know coach I've been a coach for 5 years now like all of these challenges I still do navigate myself you never are free from them because we live in the society yeah. I, I'm a human a flawed human living in the society that perpetuates these <laughs> these things as well so I think that is that's kind of yeah, where, where that's coming from. And the issue with focusing on productivity in the way that we we do and that society praises is that then as individuals, we develop those kind of toxic productivity tendencies where nothing we do is enough, never ever feels enough. We then feel so much guilt for not working at the weekends when maybe our colleague is working at the weekend and we've seen an email come through or we see an email when we're out of office on holiday coming through. There's a lot of guilt around that, which then damages our self-esteem, which damages our health, our relationships, our sense of community, all of those things, which it's just that self-perpetuating kind of cycle that we're kind of stuck in. So what's the solution needs to be kind of systemic, I think. That's that kind of coming back to the where, what's the solution with that? There are things we can do as individuals as well, but it's a really big kind of topic. I think that's fascinating. I think I love what you were talking about with, it's not our fault. (laughs) It's not our fault. And I think there is what so much wellness culture does is it it makes us think that we need to self-improve, self, you know, like look, Mm -hmm. look inward. And something that we've been talking about and that we really want to explore more is more around, like you were saying, community wellness. But where is it? Where is it? I don't know. And it's really hard to see where that's going to come from. I read something recently that said maybe that's going to be the next wave of wellness. And it's really exciting, but I don't I don't see it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> in, in, if I see it, I see sprinklings or I was saying to Katie, I might I think maybe I need to do some volunteering or something like that, which is just again. But that's a tiny little <laughs> individual step. But I, I love that. And this idea that you don't need to feel guilty you know you're not broken as an individual you just we're just trying to navigate it right we're just all trying to survive in this this situation how do you think productivity culture shows up in how we approach wellness and how wellness is being sold back to us do you see that definitely and I think it's comes back to again the need for more 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 all the time and I think perfectionism comes into it a lot but the perfectionism side again kind of puts onus on the individual and that it's you doing this thing and I'm someone as you know and about like I've got I kind of have worked specifically with perfectionists for a really long time and people who have a tendency to either overdo or or underdo so there's an individual element to it that's really important but what's happening is that I suppose the marketing of wellness is preying on that perfectionism individual and people feeling like their worth is attached to how much they're doing of something. So how well they're being almost like how, you know, mm. when it comes to wellness, you're only being well or only doing it properly. There's a right or wrong to it. And you're only doing it right. If you're getting up at 5am and meditating and journaling and going on a run and eating clean, not eating sugar, not drinking alcohol, and then also going to like spin class and working like a 10 hour day 
and then still being a really good parent if you're all like all of those things doing all those things and seeing all your friends but it's impossible mm. to do mm. all those things and again it's also so it's it's sort of selling that as a lifestyle that you and to do it you've got to do it right to be like that but then of course also your wellness is a massive industry I know you're talking about you talk about this a lot on the podcast I think the they're selling us products as well yeah and actually you need the smartwatch you need the gadgets you need the vitamins the 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 supplements you need also to go to therapy you need this and you need all those things and see I like I work in this industry and I sell a service that is about supporting people individuals and their well-being and putting the if one of a better word empowering individuals to be able to show up to themselves in that way so but I see it as, especially the way I work, like I want to equip people with the confidence, the skills, the self-understanding that they no longer need me and that then they can realise that they can kind of empower themselves and know that they are enough despite their kind of productivity, their outcome, despite having, you know, all the products. You could take away all the watches that, the, and you were talking about it on the, podcast, the last podcast I was listening to it about going on a run. When your run comes about, like the stats that you're getting on your watch, yeah. like, and you can't do it unless you've, you're really disappointed and it's not enjoyable if you don't beat your personal record from last time. That's when it becomes a problem. So it's trying to like be kind of flexible with it, but it's absolutely a connection. I think it's all tied in to the fact that the, the society of like, your worth is your output. You're only successful if you're doing more, getting promotions all the time, earning more, achieving more and having a family and doing all of the like tick boxing through life, all those things. Mm. But we can't have it all. And we're humans that need rest and our nervous systems need a break. We need that human connection. Like, who has time to do all of those things and also maintain a social life at the same time? Like I think yeah. when I've been my most physically well in terms of I've been exercising most, eating, you know, cooking home, home cooked meals and eating the best. That's when my social life has suffered the best. Mm -hmm. And then actually then I felt a bit worse for that. And then when I'm socialising and really fulfilled in that area, I'm not cooking the best for meals. I, you're, I'm drinking more booze. I'm d doing those things. So it's, yeah, it's all tied into the same thing. Absolutely. Oh, I love all of that. I was thinking about it in the context, again, I'm coming back to yoga, but I know all three of us <laughs> have trained as yoga teachers. Yep. So I was coming back to the, you know, and I don't think it's as prevalent now, but this idea that you need to like achieve a certain thing or people will be like posting their hands <laughs> on Instagram or whatever it might be, or this idea that you have to get, you know, you have to achieve something or you have to like put your Strava results on, you know, or share it with someone or have some like validation for you doing this thing and I definitely went into yoga thinking oh, people care <laughs> people care about my bridge pose no not bridge my wheel like but no one cares like that's the thing no one cares because people are thinking about <laughs> their own or it literally doesn't matter all of these things are about how you you feel but it's hard to validate or share a feeling isn't it or get that off your list that soft it's a bit like I suppose with work it's much easier to you know you did great on this assignment or you've done this you you've met your KPIs rather than you know you're enjoying the experience and you're mm. or whatever it might be I just yeah I think it's very interesting and in how we want to like do wellness get wellness done tick it off but it's not unfortunately that simple or maybe fortunately it is well there's also this idea that we can live in balance all the time is like you say like you can't do it all and if you are out socializing you're probably 
eating chips and drinking booze and that that's fine you can't do it all perfectly yeah but yeah we're supposed to be and I guess that idea that there are all these different types of wellness aren't there's like you were saying sort of connection and social wellness Mm. physical wellness like spiritual wellness maybe or all of these things so maybe actually the thing some of the things that you do which we would not think are wellness like going out with your pals you know drinking whatever having a great time those are like you're saying those are the things that maybe are (laughs) that's what you really need but it's less uh I don't know can't wear your active wear necessarily while you do it it's harder to track (laughs) exactly it's harder to track as well I think with that and it's really helpful to look at the different areas and I always I think probably as as one of the most common things that some people come to me for coaching with or when initially they say when we have a conversation that they want help with when I ask like what do you want to get out of this like I just want to be more balanced I want to find balance it's always that and that's I think maybe something that's missold to us again through the wellness industry that's the goal when actually often we're only ever in that balance if we think of it literally like scales and that what we want that to look like is different for each of us maybe for like an afternoon mm-hmm. like it's so fleeting and then it will kind of tip again particularly you know you know different people but different phases of your life different if you're someone that menstruates different phases in your cycle like all of these different things that mean you might find that balance but it's always fleeting because then something bad will happen to someone in your family or then you'll get an unexpected bill and you'll then be stressed about money when you weren't or that's when you maybe have one week you don't have as many social plans and the next week you do and you get a few late nights. So like it's, But it's about kind of trying to stay close to baseline but with flexibility. Yeah. I think it's and, and not being like if I've had that late night and had a couple of drinks oh god I'm a massive failure I've I've really gone off the wagon with my wellness routine and all it's like being well is so much more than one of those elements and it's so much more than like doing them perfectly in balance all of the time yeah trying to be okay with the fact that you're never in balance yeah. really I guess is part of it and then often when you, if you do feel that you've got it then you're going to be bored anyway so then what you want is you know then you want more I don't know more excitement or more you want to go off to Ibiza exactly go dancing and yeah yeah, that that is sometimes part of it and that's Mm. okay I think the key is that flexibility and not like not the all or nothing and only going out partying every night or uh, talking as if like that's what I like to do nowadays it's definitely like the younger (laughs) self kind of (laughs) more than having to be in bed by 9pm now but um then I think it's yeah it's it's realizing that it's just not doing the extremities whereas often when you're trying to restrict yourself from whatever that is whether that's the food the sleep the fun that's often when you get the extremes and then you're likely to bounce to the other side or again if you're being really 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 strict you're going to like can't go back again but yeah that flexibility I think is really important Mm -hmm. and I know you do a lot of work with people who procrastinate like me (laughs) but something that I've been thinking about is this idea that some of the things that I'm doing when I'm procrastinating, my favourite thing to do is walk my dog and, well, my favourite thing to do is scroll on the internet, but I won't talk about that as a wellness activity, but walk my dog or increasingly, now I'm in my mid-30s, gardening. And these are things that in another context would be seen as good, you know, in quote marks, good or sort of enriching activities. But because I'm approaching them from this idea of, oh my gosh, I should be writing or I should be doing something else. I think, oh, I'm I'm being bad, I'm being procrastinating. And I just wonder whether you 
think that we might get to a stage where we're kind of able to see procrastination as something good and something positive rather than what I do, which is uh, see it as the complete opposite. I think what you've touched upon there, you and I have spoken spoken before for some articles things about this, is that nothing is going to perpetuate your procrastination cycle more than blaming yourself for it and being annoyed at yourself because procrastination is a self-preservation technique, often, not all the time. Sometimes it is just the right thing and good thing to do. And we'll talk about that in a moment. But it's a self-preservation kind of coping mechanism so it's seeing it as a solution rather than a problem. So when you're procrastinating and not a lot, particularly if it's something, you know, a work task, something that you do want and need to do, and you or you have a habitual tendency to procrastinate, it's seeing it as a solution to something. So you, there's something going on there underneath that you're avoiding and examining that. And I'll, we'll talk, we can talk a little bit more, I know, uh, when we come to kind of the tips around that. But the key thing to do to be aware of which which we've touched on already is just not to blame yourself like to see it as is not a character flaw is a human tendency because we're humans with nervous systems who a nervous system that's constantly scanning our environment and what we're doing and when it perceives something to be danger or something to be unsafe which could be starting writing something that you're worried about or you're you're doubting your ability to do or speaking up in a, in a meeting at work when it deem when your nervous system deems something to be unsafe it's going to try and get you to avoid that so you're not lazy or stupid or whatever you're calling yourself for procrastinating you're just a human with a nervous system who's trying to protect yourself so that's the, on the individual point of view but again coming to the systemic kind of culture side Living in a world that praises people for doing more, a capitalist world that's like doing more needs to, like we need money to live. So we need to be doing, like it's undeniable. We can't just unfortunately, you know, do the lovely things that we need all de- <laughs> that, mm. that, that don't necessarily earn us money. But of course, there's boundaries within that. And also, not only that, it's like we're surrounded by tech nowadays, by so many things that are des- specifically designed to keep our attention, to take our attention. So particularly, I think, the internet, social media, when, which are the biggest things I think that I know I see people coming to me wanting support with that they want to change habit-wise, is realising that you know, that's, you're not you're not weak-willed or lazy or whatever for scrolling on social media more like that is literally what the app is designed to do Mm -hmm. to keep you on there as long as possible and you're not alone (laughs) with that at all so that that not blaming yourself is so important like not taking it personally really dismantling your belief system around procrastination and reframing it is really important that's kind of what we spoke like rather than seeing it as bad it's seeing it as like for what it is like understanding what's behind it and and realizing it's that solution to the problem and how can you find alternative solutions that are perhaps that, that benefit you more because sometimes like you said when the procrastination is maybe something like going on a dog walk and you know I do that as well actually sometimes that is exactly what you need. So it's knowing yourself enough to know where the difference between procrastination that is true procrastination or procrastination in inverted commas that we're, you might be calling procrastination that actually is because you genuinely needed a break. Mm-hmm. But productivity culture or toxic productivity is causing you to think that I don't deserve that break or I shouldn't be having that, that lunch break or I shouldn't be going out on a dog walk in three in the afternoon because I, I should be at my desk from nine till mm-hmm. six. And if I'm not, then I'm, I'm failing and I'm not doing enough. And so it's questioning whether it's that or whether it's actually procrastination. Oh, fascinating. What do you think about productivity hacks? 
tricks and tips and this sort of barrage <laughs> of ways you can you things you can do I've written about some of them in the past um we've got a Pomodoro technique we've got time blocking we've got all these different options and it it can be quite overwhelming have you got any advice for people in terms of how you can sort of navigate this deluge of of options it's definitely about experimenting and seeing what works for you because there is not one size fits all whether that comes to like if you're working with a coach when I'm working with clients and it's never a one size fits all it's finding something that works with your lifestyle, your time, your work, your energy levels, your, you know, biology, your kind of learning style, everything is really important to find things that work for you and realise again, lots of those techniques are things you're being sold by companies, like whether it's your journals or apps, like again, it's a company maybe trying to sell us something. Some of them are amazing, it's just finding the thing. So to do that, I'd say rather than necessarily falling into the belief that you again you need to buy something else to do it like a lot of the most helpful approaches techniques that can keep us well and also keep us in our own realm of healthy productivity are free it's knowing your own triggers of procrastination like what are the tasks the feelings the sounds the the things in your environment the trick things that are triggering you to maybe avoid or take longer on a task than necessary or triggering those habits maybe like being on social media for example what are those triggers so that you can just bring awareness to them and because that, that, that's really important also knowing what's always really important is what are your personal values and your priorities like what is important to you because until you're clear on that and how you want to show up to your day and your work and when I say work I kind of mean like occupation so whether that's you're a full-time parent or whether you're, you volunteer or whether you're in paid work or freelance whatever it is like how do you want to show up to that if and if we think, see that as like success so what to you is success in that and defining what success means to you is so important because that is what you should be basing your productivity on like if you're someone that actually success for example success to me means like I don't want to work 40 hour weeks like to me and I'm not here at my, what my version of success that that kind of end point of success that I'm working towards I I try to bring it in every day but it's that isn't I do not want that to be a 6 40 60 hour week like ideally to me like 20 hour week if that but I have enough money to to pay my bills to pay my future mortgage that whatever that is but but also have time on my hands to not be working on time to go out for dinner to have enough money spare to save to invest to go for dinner with friends to go on multiple holidays a year like that is my version of success so making sure you're not trying to match yourself up to what society is telling you that success is that maybe is you need the promotion all the time you know not not actually be bothered about being a manager I have lots of friends and and they, you know, have done, because as they should, tick boxing, got promotions, got promotions mm. and suddenly find themselves sort of in managerial roles, realizing, God, I really don't, I hate managing people. And, but I've done what I should, thought I should do. And actually then are reevaluating things. So that's so important to make sure that you've kind of, you know, for yourself, like what's important. And if your values are kind of curiosity, family, nature. You know that if you're taking time out of your day and finish or finishing work at three so you can go and pick up your kids or go on your dog walk or go and support an elderly family member because that's what's important to you, that 
you should allow that then to make you feel good about it rather than feeling like you're not doing enough, which I think often because we're told, well, you're lazy if you're not working till six, it's easy to fall into that pattern. So once you know that for yourself, it makes it easier to kind of be comfortable with that. And then there's the kind of practical elements and, you know, tools like you mentioned Pomodoro. There's there's lots of kind of things like time blocking. I like to use the Eisenhower matrix, which is about really focusing on what's important. So knowing the difference between tasks that are important and urgent. And if they are both of those things, then focusing on those. But if they're maybe important but not urgent, could you delegate those to someone else? And if they're not urgent and not important, just deleting them completely. Or if they're still important but not urgent, like you, you can schedule them for another time so really kind of understanding that and having a practice I do that every morning like at the beginning of every week like what are the things because shiny object syndromes particularly with someone as, as myself who has ADHD like I will go to the thing that gives me the most dopamine which is often not the thing that is most yeah. important <laughs> almost and we all have a tendency as humans to do that but you know I will chronically do that so it's having techniques that kind of support that and really importantly, as I, would, I like to talk about and, and a thing I work with my clients a lot with is that compassionate self-discipline. So not as the difference between that and like set of self-discipline. I'm not behind as you know, some coaches are. And for some people it works well is that you know, beat yourself up, be really hard on yourself and that will make you do the thing. And for some people that works well. My husband is a good example. Like he loves to be told off. Like he will like... <laughs> thrives off it he likes we talked about this before like we recently we're doing having sharing I kindly let him share my PT sessions now with me we do it together it's really fun but he used to have a PT that was you would shout at him and be really like hard and he loved it thrived off it whereas I that will make mm -hmm. me be like stroppy toddler like angry teenager like no if someone tells me like to do something in a strict way I'll be like I'm not doing it that's yeah. like oh not for me whereas he likes that but I personally intend to be the type of people I naturally attract who want to work with me as, uh, as a coach. But that compassionate self-discipline. So like being supportive to yourself, having boundaries and being firm with yourself, but in a way that's that's not self-deprecating, that's not beating yourself up, that's like, oh, you've just you know spent an hour on Instagram. Let's go back to the task. I like, can't remember what you want to do, remember what the outcome is. Instead of, oh, you're so stupid. I can't believe you've done this again. Like that self-talk obviously is really important. So that compassionate self-discipline is, is really valuable. And also just understanding from a nervous system point of view, the things that are if you're avoiding something you're in that kind of overwhelmed shutdown like your nervous system has gone into that freeze state that very kind of dorsal state if you're really really stressed about something and maybe feeling really anxious and you're maybe overworking or you know that hyper productivity or just feeling really worried about something which is perhaps causing procrastination that's when you taking a break going on a walk and doing something that's going to calm your nervous system down whatever that is for you dancing around to your favorite song whatever that is that is going to resource you better for the the task. So it's finding ways to kind of resource yourself with that as well. I think that's so interesting about how, because we, I think we tend to think of work in a traditional sense as, as very un sort of feelings orientated or, you know, I, I would never have imagined when I had a, like a corporate job that I could be able to sort of say actually I need to take a break because I need to calm my nervous system down <laughs> my boss would have just been like what are you talking about but I think it's so interesting to think about how things like your nervous system how you, you know your even like your emotions and how you're feeling is going to affect your 
output because we sort of think, oh, I'm working, like I've got to just be a machine and just get my type, get my words. Oh, you know, maybe that's just me because that's what I do all day. But I think also one of the other points that I thought was fascinating is that when it comes to thinking about what we need to do, there's so many skills that go into that. And there's a difference between understanding what's important, being able to prioritise as its own skills there. And then you've got to actually have another skill set, which is actually being able to focus and actually do your work. And these are really hard things to do. And sometimes you maybe you can't prioritise because you've just got too much going on. So actually, you know, it, it's really difficult, this stuff. And, you know, managing, like you were saying, management is really hard. It's really difficult. It's all of these skills, but we just sort of expected to sort of have them be able to do mm. all this stuff all the time. But of course we can't. Of course not. It also really depends on what kind of job or work you're doing as well I think this is kind of easier in a way if you're self-employed I've been in jobs where like I have been a machine like I've been there at eight o'clock working till six o'clock working in the night and I just wouldn't have been able to do that and I'm sure there's people like how do you I guess productivity for me at that point wasn't a problem because I just never stopped but now I find it really difficult to find the balance between giving myself time and space and feeling guilty or I'm just like working all the time how do you find I mean I'm going to use the word balance but like how do you find like the middle ground and not worry that you're constantly slipping one way or the other or do you just have to accept that that's what happens well, I think I'd say it's similar to kind of what we were saying before that there's never going to be that perfect balance all of the time yeah it's knowing if you like if you've got something really important to do knowing what that is and how you being really intentional and knowing kind of what the outcome mm. you want is and knowing your tendencies like what okay so i know that this i've got to, you know, that you've got to write a pitch or a presentation or whatever it is for something uh, maybe it's for a talk or an article if you know that there's for me right like if i'm doing deep work writing that's always a thing that i find i will tend to procrastinate because i find it hard right so I know that. So I will, when I know I've got something like that to do, and then I'm like, oh, no, I must send that email. Or I must, no, I should probably do that social media uh, post now. I'm like, no, that's, you're, you're procrastinating. Okay, yeah. Like it, so it's, I so know, recognizing, your recognizing patterns. the patterns. And what you said before is so true in that it's a lot easier for me because I'm self-employed. And that's by design. Like that's mm. why I've been self-employed for so long, so long. Mm companies and when we were talking before about systemic change needed like companies are this needs to happen in companies as well as like societally something I'm working a lot more now I want to go into companies and kind of work on that culture piece and because it's it's so important because as I don't know what your experience is when you were working like that from like eight in the morning and and but it's not for most people sustainable and people who are and I know lots of people like lawyers for example like where that pressure is on on and if they're Mm. not in the office before eight it's really frowned upon and if they leave before eight it's really frowned upon like how you can't let you can't live life like that it was sold to me as it is to many young people in my 20s as like you've got to work like this to get to where you want to be and fast pace yeah (laughs) you've got to just you've got to just really work all the time to get that promotion and uh that's bullshit (laughs) the carrot (laughs) yeah the carrot and yeah it was just people taking advantage of me really I recently have having, been having conversations. I kind of, I suppose, naively thought that that had changed quite a lot. Mm-hmm. Not everywhere, but I've had a lot of 
conversations recently and overheard you know as I'm getting older now and you know my peers and people I'm having conversations with are now the managers who were those people who were had the carrot dangled and were like this is so wrong but now they're doing it the same yeah, thing they have to. and they're having because yeah. it and they're and talking about well gen z this gen, you know it's as it happens like conversation about whatever different generation it is and oh it was well, they're not like it like i finding seeing i'm seeing millennials do it about <laughs> gen z's now and it's the problems are still there and it's really problematic and the culture hasn't changed so it has to change and it that's about companies as we've said that like tips like doing those tips like what are the company values how does that translate to your systems your processes your culture within the office what you're mm. expecting of people and are you making them actually comfortable to to enact those things because most companies might be tick boxing it in all the same ways that we are as we do right. as individuals that's where the change needs to come yeah and, and doing something that isn't just like good promo for the company and surface level that yeah, has to actually be real is integrating it and that's where the hard work comes in mm. and companies are scared right companies are scared like things like the four-day work week which has been proven to increase productivity levels if that were to come in like that that would be so beneficial and so nice for everyone all of us if that was just the norm and it's been proven mm. now with the companies who've done it like they've all seen an increase in in productivity rather than the decrease but it's the, there's a lot of fear around it and yeah, all kinds of things. So that that's when we're talking about like the systemic change. It's like it's things like companies, it's the governments, it's schools, it's all of these things, and that will trickle down then to individuals because we can't as individuals expect. Like we might tell ourselves, no, I, it's bad to work those hours, but if you're if you know you're not going to get that promotion if you don't show up, or mm. and again it's coming back to a few times, especially as women, like there's a whole other layer of that in like there's a a clock for most women I know I felt it feel it that oh I've got until I until I have kids and then that's it I'm not gonna I've got to get so the success I want before then otherwise then it's gonna change or that's gonna be affected it's all of those so many layers to it and so mm. many different prongs could you talk a little bit about neurodivergence and procrastination for yeah anyone definitely. who's listening and struggling with that so I can talk about it, especially a lot about it from an ADHD point of view, because I have ADHD. I'm also on a waitlist as well for an autism assessment. So yeah, a few, maybe some experience there, but I'll talk more from the ADHD point of view. When it comes to productivity, so thinking of it, essentially, ADHD is often thought about as a dopamine deficiency, or it can mm -hmm. be thought about as a dopamine deficiency. There's lots of different things going on. There's no like set. It's one of those things that's still early. So much more research to be done, particularly how it shows up for women. All the research thus far has been on young boys. Mm -hmm. So as we know, with more and more and more people, I think there's about 800,000 people at the moment on a wait list in the UK for an ADHD assessment, like hundreds of thousands of people realising that they have ADHD. A lot of these people, adults, it was missed because there's more understanding as to what it is. But it's... A brain difference, I prefer to use the the, the term, rather than disorder, because I think it's just we're wired differently. We have different neurotransmitters, so neuroephrine, neuro, I can never say it, neuropreferin, neuroephrine, and uh, dopamine, we kind of had deficient in. Dopamine is that reward uh, neurotransmitter that is key in motivation. So because people with ADHD struggle with that and they don't have as mm -hmm. much, they will often struggle to get the motivation to start tasks. So task paralysis is huge for people with ADHD and also working memories to so trying to stay, like to recall things they've just learned. So I'm sitting here with my notes in front of me. So even if you just read something, it's like the recalling of it is really challenging, which makes it hard sometimes to stay on task. If an ADHD finds a task boring, 
no matter how urgent or important it is, they will find it really, really hard to mm. do it because that dopamine kind of is, isn't there. So that so you're much more likely, or people with ADHD tend to struggle a lot with procrastination, like chronic procrastination. Right. Everybody does, as we've spoken about, like it's everybody does and there's reasons why the difference... And lots of people are so uh, identify with the symptoms of ADHD, but the difference is for ADHD is it is chronic and it, it really negatively impacts all of their areas of their right. their life to the point where you know you 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 cannot engage with your work, your relationships, your tasks in a way that is functional. For some people, they mm -hmm. do and they can they get through. Also, that's what a lot of people tend to procrastinate with ADHD because they then get that rush of dopamine being last minute. So, you know, the, and that was me very much at school always. Still, I mean, still now, still, but I try not to because the stress isn't worth it of like leaving things to the last minute. Right. Often it's because they've had task paralysis, but then they kind of also get that hit of dopamine, which is then means the thing that they couldn't do because they found it boring isn't boring anymore because it has to be done by tomorrow because they've got the test tomorrow. So cramming all night to do it but yeah the dopamine deficiency part is like a key element of ADHD as well as like the executive function which is the part of our brain which is responsible for like the doing of things and getting kind of started with tasks is yeah there's lots of elements emotional dysregulation uh, which we've talked about in the terms of the nervous system is important so for people with ADHD they struggle a lot with uh, their ability to regulate their emotions as well as finding the dopamine or like and the like the motivation to kind of get started with things or keep going with things mm. okay that's really interesting yeah I think that's so interesting to understand about executive dysfunction and and how we can um yeah how maybe we can try sometimes and and uh I don't know not game it that's the wrong word but work it in a way that works for e you individually yeah and it's fine I think it's seeing it as and that's why obviously like ADHD is attention deficit hyperactivity disorder like I those are the technical terms but Rather than seeing anyone, and we're talking about anything, but if you're neurodivergent, whatever that is, as you lacking something, when you focus on the fact that you're missing something, again, you're all those things that you need to do and show up well, like confidence, self-esteem, self-belief, motivation. In order to have those things, if you're like believing that you're lacking something and that society is telling you you're doing it wrong because you're lazy and this, which is what happens a lot with neurodivergent individuals, you're not going to have those resources to do the things. Whereas if you can be like, okay, I maybe I'm lacking. I don't, I don't have as much dopamine as someone. I might procrastinate more or find that harder. But what are the things I do have? Like I do have creativity. I do have really good ideas. I can really hyper-focus when I do this. So that means I need to allow myself a bit of those like, to go on walks more, to take longer on tasks, to do those things, to have notes when I need them. And that means I can utilise my strengths, whereas not getting caught up in the, the like deficit. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. I think that's fantastic. Katri, thank you so much. If people do want to come and find out more about um, you and your work, where can they find you online? So you can find me on most of the social media. So TikTok, Instagram, at Katri Barrett. And my website's name at KatriBarrett.com. And I'm just about to open a new waitlist for ADHD coaching. So anyone that's listening to this or touched upon neurodiversity, if you think you have ADHD or, or you know that you do and you want some support with some of the challenges we've spoken about today, then I'll send a link to that. Yeah, and well. yeah there's, a, there's a wait list open because I've got some new new ways of support coming for that as well. Amazing. Thank you so Thank much. You. Thank you for having me. It's been really great. What did you think about productivity, procrastination and wellness after our chat with Katri? Um, I think it's for me anyway it's really hard to navigate 
between what is underworking, what is overworking, what is procrastination that is helpful, what is procrastination that's avoidance. Yeah, I find it all a bit overwhelming, to be honest. But that was really interesting conversation. Yeah, I think I thought it was really interesting. I think it's really interesting to look at the sort of way wellness is evolving alongside how sort of wider culture is evolving as mm. well and and the pressures that we're under and how the wellness industry continues to evolve to sort of try and offer some solutions to that but while also being a part of the, the yeah, problem, the problem and the solution yeah. yeah yeah i just wanted to mention a podcast that you and i both love which touches on a lot of this which is and Helen Peterson, who's also a writer that I really enjoy. Her substack is great. And her podcast is called Work Appropriate. Sorry, I had a complete moment of inability to be any a kind person. of productivity. <laughs> yeah, Work Appropriate, which is a wonderful podcast, which is all about work and modern work and how we do it. And there was an episode on that all about ambition, which I absolutely loved because one of the things that they were talking about in that episode was about ambition. Maybe you don't have to be ambitious in your work. Maybe your, your ambition doesn't have to be focused on getting ahead or getting that new thing. But can mm. you look at ambition as a... Can you be ambitious about other areas of your life, whether that's community care or looking after yourself or a hobby that's unrelated to yeah. anything that you do to to make money from and I just I love that as a way of sort of reframing thinking about yeah. needing to achieve that episode was what happened to my ambition with Rainsford Stauffer uh, which was really good but the whole podcast is fantastic and mm. really worth a listen if you're interested in work and yeah. doing stuff I would really recommend the how to care less about your job episode as well yeah that was a very good that was a really good one that was mm -hmm. the one about hobbies yeah it? that was yeah great advice in there but other I guess it's just see what works for you try not to <laughs> try not to think you have to do everything yeah I think navigating the systemic stuff is the really tricky part isn't it because we can all find little pockets of what works for Slice. us and what productivity hacks work for us but essentially having time and space shouldn't be something that we have to like carve out yeah. it should be part should of our lives treat yeah. <laughs> yeah 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 it should be normal yeah absolutely thanks for listening come and find us on instagram at selfie development pod if you enjoyed the podcast please subscribe and leave us a review we recorded this podcast at story 94 thanks so much to nick and matt for editing and production